Welcome to the PT Marketing Power Hour, highlighting successful marketing strategies from North America's fastest growing clinics so you can learn from their wins and power your practice growth. We have another great episode today, so don't forget to hit subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's your host, physical therapist, marketing expert, and CEO of Practice Promotions, Neil Trickett. Welcome to the PT Marketing Power Hour, highlighting successful marketing strategies from our North America's fastest growing clinics, so you can learn from their wins and power your practice growth. I'm your host, Neil Trickett, and today's focus is on how to set your goals to drive your practice growth. And we're blessed here to have uh, Jill Marlin with Peak Performance Physical Therapy in Lansing, Michigan. She has a phenomenal business mind, so we're looking forward to extracting from that some nuggets here for our audience today. So welcome, Jim. Jill, great to have you on the call today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Excellent. Well, let's just dive into this here because uh, you've done some amazing things over this, uh, especially this last year uh, with all the craziness that's gone on. Um, but we're really kind of coming around this concept here of like how setting the right goals, having that vision, looking at things from a business angle with revenue and marketing and that growth mindset, like how that's going to really empower you more than anything else. And so uh, can you tell the audience a little bit about, you know, kind of your setup that you have now, I think you have four clinics and kind of what, what your goals and aspirations are for your practice? Yeah, we have, currently we have four clinics. We're seeing around 900 visits a week. Um, we have two college contracts that we work with as well. And then, you know, a tremendous amount of um, community work that we do out in our community with, with different organizations, different gyms, those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. So really, you know, for me, we, I started my practice in 2011 and Neil, you and I were talking a little bit about, you know, just a small space and it was myself and one other front desk person. And we started from there and really launched some of our initiatives from that point. We moved in, expanded, kept on growing. About three years later, I purchased a 20,000 square foot building and renovated our first space and kind of the rest is history. We've been renovating and moving and growing and, um, you know, kind of with the good initiatives, if you can have really good goals and then you set back from there, we've been able to really do some great things. That's awesome. And so as you've grown your practice, obviously you've gone from one to two to three to four and you have aspirations to go way beyond that. Um, what, in terms of your own skill set, what you focused on there, how have you, um, looked at your skills in business as a, as a practice owner, right? How, how have you done that? So the majority of things that you do in private practice, you're not taught in school. And you know, I mean, anybody who's mm-hmm. listening to this, you know that, you know how to manipulate a spine and you know how to, you know, train an athlete, you know how to work in regards to muscles and joints. And, and really I spent the first, you know, probably 10, 15 years of my career really, working hard on that, you know, really working hard on being a great practitioner, a great clinician. And so I kind of have, have taken my career into different, different paths. So I started out as a clinician and I went back to the OMPT program. I wrote um, some textbooks in that, worked with Olaf Evian and John Krauss and really worked on 
myself as a practitioner, because I feel Mm -hmm. like that foundation is really big. And when you talk about a business mindset, to me, it's extremely important that you have a solid foundation. There's going to be many times that you try to get toppled or people are going to try to topple you, especially Mm -hmm. if you're growing and you have to be solid. And so to me, I felt like I needed to be the best of the best as far as a practitioner starting Mm -hmm. off. From that point, I started to get a little bit more political. I was appointed by governors, um, by two different governors and sat on our state board and chaired it for three years and then got involved nationally. So that was kind of the next step is to really look from a, a business standpoint of political and how could we make a change. So I drafted all the rules and rule set and added continuing professional development in the state of Michigan, because I felt like in order for a practice owner to be what we wanted to do, we had to make a difference. We had to have continuing education and I had to influence not just me and my practice, but our state. So I did that and I worked um, in regards to the interstate compact acts and, and different things in regards to that as well. And then kind of the next phase is business ownership and entrepreneurship. And, you know, you, you don't learn any of this stuff in school, right? I mean, you know, you know, Neil, it's, it's kind of a trial by fire, right? You yeah. jump in and it's like, here we go. But, you know, you learn out of necessity, um, sometimes slower than what you would have liked to. Um, but the only way to learn is by doing it. And so I've, I've pushed myself and jumped into many different avenues and I've had some phenomenal opportunities in regards to business and, you know, to be able to be around some phenomenal leaders. And, you know, I have a tremendous amount of mentors that I work with. And, you know, I, in 2019, I was received the award of Ernst and Young Entrepreneur of the Year and had the opportunity to go to California and work with the top entrepreneurs in the world, some of the Elon Musks and, you know, some of the heads of some of the largest growing, fastest growing companies in the world. And to be around those kind of people um, is fascinating. And, Mm. you know, you really scale. And if you maintain your curiosity, that's something that, you know, is, is something that will grow your business faster than anything else. Yeah, I, I love it. Such such a rich history. It's really amazing. And so I, I love what you said that, um, you know, you laid that foundation for yourself being a better practitioner, right? And getting that way you can offer better service, a better product in your clinic, right? You can train others to do the same. Um, right. But then, you know, elevating yourself above that. And I think for a lot of practice owners, they, they kind of get stuck in the weeds sometimes. And they're just trying to get the day to day in the fires. And they're trying to treat 40, you know, 40 hours a week of patient care. And so it, it's hard to kind of go beyond that. Um, it kind of takes that that leap, right? And then investing in yourself uh, to train yourself better and, and push yourself to to have mentors around you. I think that's really, really critical to have people that you can look up to that can guide you that, you know, they don't even have to be necessarily uh, direct friends, but just business owners or entrepreneurs that you look up to and that you could follow and, and start, start to get ideas from, um, you know, I've definitely done that in business. Uh, there's a lot of great groups that I've been around over the years that I look up to and, uh, kind of surrounded myself with mentors too. So I think that's really an important part. So let's, let's talk here a little bit about goals because you're really good at setting goals and, So how do you go about setting kind of your marketing goals and and what you're going to do for your business? Yes, I'm really strategic in that, um, in setting my goals. And what we do is um, 
we have an annual meeting every year with my executive team. And we really look at, you know, some initiatives in regards to, you know, where are we going as a company? What are our 10 year, you know, kind of that, that big, that goal that kind of scares you, you know, and, and what is our 10 year goal? And what does that look like in regards to where we're at and where we're going? We take that back into like our three year um, kind of picture. Like, mm-hmm. where is our three-year picture and what does that look like? And, and then we scale that back down into our one-year goal. And, and this is anywhere from, you know, every year we look at, you know, our revenue. Where do we want to be from a revenue standpoint? What, you know, how, how are we going to do that from a budgetary standpoint? What are our core values? What is our core focus? What is our, you know, obviously our 10-year target? Really, what is our marketing strategy? And then we take those and we move those down into, kind of specific goals that time to, to hit those. So we really get our 10 year picture of where we're going. And then we just fold it right down into what do we need to do this year? <clears throat> then we break that up into quarters and then we strive to hit those. And then we put things and actionable items in place to hit those. And it's worked for us really well, because if you have some goals that are stated and that are talked about and you know they're working up towards something, it's a goal. It's a mission for everybody to work towards. And that's, you know, something that we continue to just back it down from where we want to be. And as we start hitting those goals, we really make a ton of traction with that. So that's, that's, that's the way you got to do it. Right. And, and uh, we do exactly the same thing. So we have our 10 year goal and then our three year strategic initiatives, and that's broken down into yearly and quarterly and then monthly. So it's the right way to do it for sure. Um, and I think again, like if, if you're just saying, Hey, this is what I want to achieve this year, it, you, you may get there or you may not get there, but if you plan, Hey, what do I really want to get here? Uh, even for my exit strategy, right. That's really thinking way down the line. Right. But what right. is it going to yeah. look like when you want to exit your business? Right. Yeah. Do it someday. Uh, so if planning backwards from that, and then again, your 10 year initiative, your, what, what do you need to do then in the next three years to get you know, a third of the way towards that. And then your what's the yearly is going to be. So you get a third of the way towards that. And what I liked is you said a very powerful word and that is we. So it's not just you thinking it, it sounds like you're doing this with your team. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And we rolled this down with our whole, you know, through my whole company. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, right now I have 49 employees. And so we're looking at, strategy so that everybody knows this, you know, this isn't just me that's doing this. This is a strategy that across the board, everybody knows this. Everybody knows our 10 year, you know, our vision, where we're going and what we're doing. And so we have um, annual meetings where we do our strategic planning and then we roll these out to our whole team and everybody has goals within our company as we roll that out. And so my executive team consists of myself. I have an admin Um, accounting director. I have a clinic director. I have an HR coordinator. And then I have an executive assistant. And then I have a marketing director. And so we get together and, you know, it's a full day meeting that we work really hard and we challenge each other. And we, you know, it's, it's raw, you know, Mm -hmm. we get together and, and it's not, you know, roses and, you know, wine and roses. It's a pretty raw meeting. And we come out of that. It's, it's fabulous. We do team building and, you know, some of the things, but we come out feeling like we're going to, you know, run through some walls. And so that's really exciting. And then 
we roll that down. Then they roll it down to the managers and the managers roll it down to the, you know, the staff and everybody's kind of on, on point and on track with that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So, so uh, just for our audience out there, if you've ever, if you haven't read it, definitely pick it up. It's Patrick Lencioni's book, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And what tends to happen sometimes in meetings is people hold back right? They, they don't want to say what's really on their mind. And so then that may be detrimental to actually the right plan that might come out of that meeting. So it sounds like, I love when you say it's a raw meeting because it sounds like you're really open and honest with each other and everybody has a different perspective maybe on something, but that's what you want to have, right? So definitely read that book if you haven't read that before. Um, and, and I think too, for our audience, what's really powerful, this is something we do with our team. Like we have over 80 staff and trying to get the, the bigger you get, the harder it is and the more effort you have to put into aligning everybody. If everybody's aligned with your purpose and your mission and what your goals are for the year, you're, you're going to do a much better job of actually attaining those goals. So, uh, you know, what, what you were downloading to us, Jill, was that you work very hard at a, at a kind of executive level to kind of uh, look at the strategic plan here, but then really making sure that's that's filtered down to everybody and everybody's on the same page as you are. So I, I love where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And we take, you know, one of the things that, that I like to do is I like to have a yearly theme for, for the whole company. Last year, our yearly theme was tough times don't last tough teams do. And everybody was pushing for that. We had t-shirts made every email I signed off for every staff member in our team was with that slogan at the end. And mm -hmm. It, we, we pushed on that. And it was like, you know, you, we are surviving because we are tough and everybody here is tough and this is what we do. And this is what we're about this year. It's uh, raise the bar and, you know, we're going to raise the bar this year. We're going to make it happen as a company. I go and I do our rollout. So I do our strategic rollout to each clinic as I go through with, you know, posters of raise the bar. This is what we're going to do. I have specific goals on there that we set, you know, to hit every month to hit our yearly goals. And so we put those monthly goals on there. And, you know, everybody knows this year, we're going to raise the bar. These are our goals. This is how we're going to do it. And, and these are the things. And then we celebrate those. Mm -hmm. So, Oh, that's awesome. I am totally swiping that idea. I love the theme. The yeah. It's, it's, really I like it. You know, you get something to get behind a little <laughs> yeah. bit, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, right? That's that's really the main purpose. Like, you, how can you get your team to get behind it? Yeah. And when you have that big wave of energy, it's going to get done, right? Versus one yeah. or two people at the top trying to push this uh, freight train up the hill, right? So, um, oh, that's, I love it. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, obviously, we set the goals, right? But now we got to measure the results so that we're make sure we can get there. So, I know you're really big. Into, into metrics and looking at your measuring your results. So can you speak to that a little bit, how, you, how you've incorporated that philosophy into your practice? Yeah, and you know, I, I'm a very, I'm a, a technical minded person, almost like an engineer type minded person. And, and I like to have data run my decisions. Um, you know, my team would, would probably say I'm absolutely crazy, but you know, anything they say and they come forward and I'm like, okay, so what's the proof behind this? Like what, you know, I need to know, like, what do you think the ROI is on this? Or what do you think this is? Where is our data coming? And so, so we have a lot of data. We have a ton of data every, um, Monday, we have an executive team meeting that we have a stat board for every division. And so we have our KPIs that we go over. And we run our meetings where we start off with a um, cultural grade 
from zero to 10? What is the culture of your division? And, you know, if it's not on point, why? What are the things that need to be changed in that division? Then we kind of transition down into um, our stat boards. Everybody goes through their stat board. And then um, we'll go into some headlines in your division, any good news, any headlines, anything like that. And anything that's off track during these discussions and during these conversations um, gets put at the later part of the meeting for a discussion. Um, so we really, you know, are, are some of our key indicators are, you know, visits, charges per visits, what kind of collections, where is our AR running? Uh, what is our cancellation rate doing? You know, from a market, how many new patients have we received in on what different initiatives? And, and we have it drilled down pretty tight. Um, and you'll find, you know, when you start, you start a little broad and then you're like, but I need to know more. Like I need to understand more. And so you can really tighten up your stats and it's something that you can go through in a 10 to 15 minute, you know, kind of a portion overview with your staff. If it's off track, it goes down for discussion. But the first part of our meetings aren't really open for discussion. It's just reports. So we go through each division, you report your division. If it's off track or it needs more discussion, it goes to the end of the meeting. So as that gets to the end of the meeting and then we get in there, we review our goals for the week, kind of our to-dos that we had to do for the week. And are they rolling up to our monthly goals that we had and then our quarterly goals? And if they're off track, they get pushed you know, down to discuss. Um, and then we get to the discussion part and that's kind of where the magic happens. And uh, one of the big things for me is we need, I don't like to just talk about things, we need some solutions. So we leave our meetings with solutions. I would rather talk about a few things and get them solved and talk about a lot of issues and just talk. So that to me is we really work towards resolving issues and handling solutions. Yeah. I, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. Right. So like just total operation there being data driven, right. If you, you have to know the metrics in order to make the right decisions and instead of your team flying blind, if they're, if everybody has the same data, then you can make really good informed group decisions. And, and then, um, Jill, how do you really incorporate this into your marketing and with your marketing director? Yeah. So with our marketing director, we have, um, specific criteria that we have. And, you know, typically a standard operating budget for marketing is about 10% of your revenue. We run anywhere between seven and 10%, um, depending on the year and our initiatives and clinics and different things like that. Um, but with those specific initiatives, we roll that back. So uh, we have some Google analytics that we look at during this time. We look at um, some other specifics, you know, as far as new patients that were driven in, how do they specifically get, get driven into our practice? We look at conversions. We get really sound with our definitions because what I found is with marketing, you have to be clear on what your definitions are because everybody is a little bit different with that. So what is a lead? What is a conversion in your practice? What is a cancellation? You know, what is your definitions? Because you'll find if you don't get clear on your definitions, especially with marketing, you're all talking different language. Somebody calls a lead when it's a click or, you know, we call a lead when somebody's actually delivered information to us. So we've received some sort of information from us. It's not a lead until we've received information. A conversion is that they've actually been a seen initial evaluation. Some people call conversions clicks or, you know, different things like that. So number one in marketing, I get very clear and concise 
and I make it known to everybody what the definitions and how the terminology is going to be used. And then I really get clear on the statistic criteria of, you know, how many people to our website, how many clicks have happened, do our ads, are they working? And what is it, are they turning into conversions? When you start to get your statistics down with that, you can track that back to find out where the broken links are and tighten up on those to really make sure. So you can say, we're getting a ton of content, we're getting a ton of calls coming in, but we're not seeing conversions. And our definition of conversions is that a scene evaluation. So where is the link? Where is the break in the link? Is it our ads or is it actually our front desk? Do we need to go back and do some more training at our front desk to make sure that they're converting these leads that are coming in? So then we can dig in and do more training and really shore up our ship a little bit to make sure that there's no kinks in our armor. That's awesome. Yeah. So kind of coming back to that, I love what you said there about clarity, right? And not just for yourself, but also for your team. And if you can all agree on like, these are the things that we are trying to measure uh, through this process. And I think coming back also looking at how people are engaging with you as a process of, Hey, they are, um, you know, clicking through to my website, but then on my website, what are they doing there? And then that's great. They came in, they called in, but then what happened? What did they actually get on the books? Did they actually show up? Right. right. And then did yeah. they actually do a plan of care. Right. And it's interesting because you can actually see from different sources, different types of behaviors in patients because uh, certain, uh, you know, certain sources, maybe like if, you, if you're just doing purely Facebook ads and not anything else, sometimes what can happen is you get um, people come in that are just going to try, let me just try. Right. And they're not committed. So they might come in and get an evaluation, but then they don't really plan out much or they maybe show up for a visit or two and they're gone, mm-hmm. right? So you're looking for committed patients who are going to uh, work with you. Um, and that, that actually comes beforehand in your marketing and their engagement with you in marketing. The, the more engaged they are, the more trust that they have, the more committed they're going to be when they come into the clinic. So just fantastic advice there, Jill. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I really don't think with, with that is, you know, that information until you really get keen on your statistics, because I think that, you know, if, if you're just kind of a shot in the dark, you don't know, you know, but once you start to dig in, you're going to find out where those links are and who's really coming into our clinic. And, you know, those, and then you can dig in. And that's to me, that's the fun part. That's the part that that I like to do. And I like to brainstorm about. And- mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's shift gears here a little bit. I know that you've done something um, that's really good that a lot of practice owners think about doing, but don't necessarily execute on. And that's really building like networks in the community contracts with types of referral sources out there. Can you speak to a little bit about what's been successful for you? Yeah, I've taken a little different approach in regards to physical therapy practice owner in ownership. I think a lot of practice owners that I talk to, they're very, uh, their mindset's a little dependent on, you know, what we get from physicians and the referral relationship with physicians. And, and although I think that's extremely important, and a lot of my friends are physicians, and, you know, we work with them all the time, and that collaboration is absolutely necessary. Um, I've taken a little different approach of a community expert and a community leader, and not just in the realm of healthcare. I'm talking about in the realm of entrepreneurship, and in the realm of engagement, 
and involvement, whether it's, you know, with different organizations that we work with, where it's the Chamber of Commerce or, you know, your local small business organization or national organizations from that level. Um, I belong to some pretty powerful CEO groups. Um, our practices are anywhere from 5 million to 50 million. Um, the women CEO group that I belong to, and then I belong to another CEO group that is, um, has some, some pretty substantial business owners in there. And um, in the one group, I'm the only healthcare provider in the group. And the other group, I, um, the, the only healthcare provider is a counseling type of service. And so, um, you know, it's, business problems are business problems. They're not as much as we would like to think that it's, you know, it, it, this is just in healthcare. This is just in physical therapy. It really isn't. It's across all scope and across all board, you know, and if you can get involved with your community, become a, a business leader and a business expert, it'll be tremendous on the different resources that you have and the availability to not only drive patients, but to be looked at as, you know, not celebrity status, but but definitely an expert in your area. And when you can start talking to people that have the influence over hundreds of employees to come in and see you and to, to you know work with your practice, that is you know tremendously powerful. And I think that's something in physical therapy that we really overlook. I couldn't agree more. And there's so many opportunities out there in in industry and in your communities. Um, sometimes. And, and this is a good thing, you know, we, we go out and we work with say a community center or something like that. That's certainly a big part of it, but what other um, thought leaders in your area can you participate with? And it, it may not seem like it would pay off dividends at, you know, and it may not do that right away, but it, over time, right. You gotta, you gotta build that authority. Uh, what's called ACE authority, celebrity expertise, right. right. And you're trying to always build this and, and the bigger you can become with that, the more, renowned your practice will be in the area and it's funny how like you know everybody's it's like six degrees of separation right so someone always knows someone else who knows someone right and that's how how things flow in the world so I, I love what you've done there and really put yourself out there and actually get twofold benefit one is uh, aligning yourself with leaders right who can empower knowledge to yourself and your business but then how can you bring value to them and obviously give them a solution that maybe they're looking for uh, with their employees or their industry. So I, lo right. I love what you've done with that. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story here about um, with physicians, right? So we, we, we tend to go around and we drop off some bagels or go, go do a luncheon for a doctor um, and try to get a few you know, minutes in between, uh, you know, for them to say hi, you know, kind of thing. But what I did in my practice, I kind of flipped the script and I used that luncheon to have a more uh, education and said, basically, hey, would you like me to um, uh, uh, do a training with your nurse or medical assistants on uh, how to differentiate, say, a rot rotator cuff from an impingement? Sure, that sounds great, right? Bring a luncheon and then just have a, a 10 minute you know, laptop slide deck presentation. We're talking about it. Doctors in there too. And they're like, Oh yeah, what's this? What's this motion again? Is it what's that? A, a, abduction, right? <laughs> right? Right. It was mind blown, and and by the end they're like, "That's amazing!" Yeah, now I got you know. So for the first time, with that doctor who had been referring patients to us was on the I was on the same level, right? They kind of looked at me from that level, like, "Wow, you are a medical professional," 
Mm -hmm. right? And we do have a lot to offer. So that, that referrals went through the roof after that, but that was just, again, a successful action. Like what can you do to bring value to the office to help them, help them in their, in their practice? And again, you were just explaining like many different ways that you can uh, reach out within the community. Um, And I think that's, you know, like what you're talking about, that's, um, it's interesting that you did, we've, we've obviously, you know, done some of that too. One of my biggest things was that I don't, I don't do lunch. I don't do lunch unless it's a one-on-one meeting with the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have done educational series with offices and those type of things after I've met with the doctor. But, um, you know, I started out like, you know, everybody else where it was like, you know, I, prior to having my own practice, I worked in a organization as a regional director, but you know, their big thing was you need to bring, you need to drop off so many lunches, so many. And I tell you, I left so many offices with my tail between my legs, feeling dirty. I just, yeah. and I know everybody watching this has had the same thing. You walk out like, well, that felt horrible. Like mm-hmm. that was not good. Like I, you know, I didn't go to school for 13 years to be crapped on by the front desk person, you know, as if I needed to just get the heck out of that office. Like, and I just, I got to, I'm like, I, I'm not doing this. Like, this is not, this doesn't make me feel good. This isn't good for our patients. Like all the way around, it just didn't feel right to me. And so we have a really big initiative where, you know, if we're going to have these interactions, number one, we have, you know, 700 athletes that we work with. So we have a direct line of potential referrals that we have for some of these orthopedic surgeons. So I've established myself as, you know, oftentimes we're referring more people to them as than they are us at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Um, but as a collaborative nature relationship, as opposed to a parasitic, and I'm not a salesperson. I definitely didn't go to school for sales. Um, and you know, <laughs> and I don't want to do that. I want to work together in collaboration with the mm-hmm. doctor to make their patients better. And the only way to do that is to have a conversation, not by me feeding their office. And so we've established a network in regards to doing that. And we do education platforms together and, you know, a lot of things in collaboration, um, but not in, in the relationship where it's a sales or a um, please send me these type of things. Right. Yeah. And I think for our audience out there, um, it, this last year was definitely a wake up call for a lot of people that were very dependent on physician referrals because guess what? The doctors weren't seeing patients anymore either when there was lockdown and, and people not wanted to go to the doctor. Uh, so that if you were heavily re- relying on physician referrals, you, your, your referral line was dried up. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, our clients, we've had 79% of our clients do better than they were doing before COVID um, last year. And, and the reason is because they went direct to the consumer. They went to their community and you have so many tools at your disposal now to go more direct to the community, be online, get people in that way, reach out, work with community networks. And you, it, uh, what I'd love to see is that you now become the referral source to doctors because there are people that come in that you need to refer out. And so it's a wonderful position to be in when you are the referral source to the doctor that builds that reciprocal relationship. And now you have a tighter relationship with the doctor's office uh, as they see value that you're trying to help them uh, with their business, right? And then they're trying to gonna send you patients to help you with your business. So if you can be empowered by your marketing uh, working in the right way um, with getting your past customers to come back in for care, sending friends and family and colleagues 
and then going direct online, you're in a very powerful position there. And of course, you're still going to get physician referrals uh, and actually develop that side of it too. Yeah. And we, you know, through COVID, we, we pivot, pivoted quickly. Like that was something that I was not in a position or did I want to be in a position to wait for anything for that matter? I mean, it was, you know, for, for many of us, you know, probably almost all of us, every state was a little different, had their own nuances, but um, it was go time. And so, you know, we were looking at our overall expenditure down to the penny, you know, when we, when, when that transition happened and things shifted and we looked at our opportunities immediately, we went from having meetings once a week to meetings every day. And we looked at our profit and loss every single day of what it looked like. And we made decisions in regards to staffing to stay profitable through the, through all of it immediately. Like it was something that we were ahead of the game. We initiated telehealth services immediately before insurance companies said that they were okay to do it. We did it and build for it. And I thought, what's, what's our other option? We don't get paid. We don't see the person. We don't help our patients. We can always go back and say, okay, we'll write this off. But if we don't do it now, Mm -hmm. then we can never go back and collect on what we potentially did. And so we shifted immediately to doing telehealth, to transitioning. We knew our orthopods in our area we're not seeing patients. So we just, we established from a marketing standpoint to build your health or build your healthcare team. We were doing podcasts with our local orthopods on a weekly basis on why our local community should see these people. So we developed, we were developing relationships. We were doing telehealth initiatives. And this was before many of the insurance companies way before Medicare, but many of the insurance companies said they would. We've since got reimbursed on all of those. And so you know, the ability to pivot and be nimble is mm-hmm. crucial, but, you know, we've learned this more than, than anything, but yeah. the more you have your numbers in place, the more you can do that. But mm-hmm. since scaled back, I mean, we were meeting every day, we were, you know, crushing things out. We were, you know, trying to figure out staffing and that kind of thing. We've since scaled back, we're back to our one meeting a week and then our, our traditional meetings and those kind of things. But, but it was go time there for a while. Yeah. That's, and that's, I think what you've said all, all along here and, and all the things you put in place, the way that you've trained yourself, the goals that you've set for your staff, the metrics, the data that you're always going over with your staff gives you that ability to pivot. And let's face it, there's always going to be external business challenges. Um, right when I was about just selling my practice in 2008, the bottom fell out with the economy, right? And we only had a 15% dip in our business compared to 40 clinics closing around me. Mm -hmm. And it was the ability to pivot, right? But that only comes from the business strategy, the goal setting, the data, and and just getting your team to really hustle through those times. So who knows what the next business challenge is going to be? Hopefully it's a long way away. (laughs) I know. Uh, But we're still going through it right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're still going through it right now. But, um, you know, all these core business principles in place do help you to, to get through that. So just, I, I love hearing that, that success that you've had through that time and being able to get through things and being innovative, right? Getting through uh, what you could do now that, that even if it doesn't pan out with the telehealth, we've done it and we have the opportunity to come back to it, right? And one so, of, you know, we kind of talk, one of the things that I always talk, or I always ask my mentors when I start working with them is, when is it okay for you to break the rules? And it's interesting what you find out. Entrepreneurs, business owners, like in order for you, 
and us to be in the situation that we want to be in. We have to not break the rules, but we have to push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I know in, in talking with a lot of physical therapists is we're much more conservative than many other business owners and CEOs that own other types of practices or organizations, whether it's a, an asphalt company or a steel company or a plumbing company, or they tend to be a little bit more of um, pushing the boundaries. Physical therapists tend to be very conservative and, you know, not as much as advocates for ourselves as we need to be. And oftentimes it's huge, a hindrance for us as business owners. So I would just encourage everybody. It's like, you know, push those boundaries a little bit because number one, we have to support our profession. If we continue to roll over, you know, we're going to continue to get decreased reimbursement. Yeah. Everybody's celebrating that we got a 3.6% Medicare cut instead of a 9%. Well, that still sucks. Like that's still not good. Like for what we do, when we see patients, as long as we do for what we get paid for that time, that's still not acceptable. So Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to get out and push the boundaries of, Hey, listen, this is what we deserve. This is what we expect. And, you know, that's okay to have your voice be heard because it's standing up for what you believe. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And it, it will, it will come from the bottom up rather than the top down. So, you know, we've been trying for the top down for a long time. Um, it really comes from empowering all of these practices across the U S and also in Canada. Well, the U S when we're talking about our healthcare system, right. Um, that, that if the, if we create the demand and there's certainly a ton of demand out there for physical therapy, we're, we are just starting to get known. Mm-hmm. We're still, we're still kind of in our infancy of getting known, right? And if you ask someone on the street, have they heard of physical therapy? They'll say yes. But if you ask them what a physical therapist does, you're probably not going to get the answer you thought. Right. Um, yeah. So we're, we're still in our infancy of getting known in the public, but it's getting better. And the more that we push, especially from a marketing front and a, and a business, a solid business front that we're delivering excellent service, that's, what's going to empower change because the public will then demand it from their insurance company. Right. And we have better leverage for contracts. We have better leverage for um, political uh, policymaking. Uh, but so to me, it's a ground up effort. And that's and we, part of our purpose in practice promotions is to help empower practice owners to help more people's lives that way. Yeah. And if we all can get involved in working with other business owners that have influence over their insurance coverage, that's a big deal. Like mm-hmm. that's a really big deal. If we can get involved with CEOs that have two, 300 employees that are in charge of their healthcare plan and each one of us can get five or 10 of those, that's where we're gonna start seeing the change because they're gonna start demanding from their policies, I want physical therapy coverage. Now it just doesn't affect a couple people. That's thousands very quickly. And mm-hmm. so that's where I look at our grassroots actions of how we can truly make a difference. Love it, love it. So Jill, been amazing today. Lots of advice here. What are some of your final words of advice for practice owners out there uh, looking to scale their business? Wow. Keep, keep pushing on, right? That's, uh, you know, one of the things that I've seen and, you know, and and I've talked to, to many different practice owners across the country and, you know, even in Canada um, is that, you know, there's challenges. There's, There's going to be challenges day in and day out. There's going to be people that challenge your core values, And you're going to question yourself along the way, like, should I change my values? Because I really need that person. I really need that therapist, even though they're telling me that, you know, this is what they need and this is what they need. 
you need to stay strong with your core values and your focus and your mission. That to me is, is something that, you know, on many levels has been challenged, you know, over the years. And if you stay focused and you stay, you know, diligent on what your core values are, what your core focus and what your purpose is for running the business, that's something that is, you know, is people can't take that away from you. And I think that's extremely important. And then lastly, I would say that I've just been really shocked, you know, especially over this last couple years of how people have just lacked curiosity. And so I would really encourage all of you to, and I tell this to my staff all the time, don't come to me unless you've asked the next three questions, because I'm going to ask you. And so I would encourage everybody to ask those next three questions and stay extremely curious as you're moving forward, because you can just, you can never get enough information. It's so important. Ask the next three questions and gain your clarity. I love it. Thank you so much, Jill. All right, audience, it's been an amazing day. We've uh, learned so much from Jill here, a wonderful business mind. Thank you so much, Jill, for being on uh, our call today. And I'm wishing you much success. I'm wishing our audience much success here in 2020. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to check out practicepromotions.net slash power. Their listeners can download over nine checklists and free resources made to coach you through simple, proven marketing actions to increase new patients. So check it out today. That's practicepromotions.net slash power. And I'll see you next time.